Hey, Steve. Hey, Chris. So I actually watched The Mandalorian, but before we get into that, let's just, you know, like, it, it has been a while. It's the new year and everything. Yeah. And how has your new year been? Well, uh, I've been sick. I have bronchitis, which is not great. You got sick, too? This explains why neither one of us recorded last week. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we were going to try and see if we could beat up last week, but it did not work out. Um, which I guess is good timing in, in, in that regard, because we would have discussed probably our game of 2019, but instead last week I got to sign up for Disney Plus on Tuesday, and then I canceled it Thursday because I was done The Mandalorian. Very so. nice, very nice. Yes, very, very bingeable. Yep, very it's very, bingeable. also very short episodes. I appreciate that. The biggest shock to me was they were roughly like 35 minutes. Which is the opposite of The Witcher, where everything was exactly 60 minutes or more. Yeah. Um, so very interesting in that regard. Uh, we will, I think next week, we'll be talking about our games of 2019. and Or if we can make it next week. Because uh, hmm. we might be trying to do like the weekly thing for the month of January or something. Because we got that. We just get we caught up. The we Witcher, got... we got Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order we still got to do. Um, unless we just roll that into our Games of 2019 discussion. Do you think we can do I mean, it? That, uh, it's one of our common ones, even though I don't think it's either one of our favorites. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how we'll it We'll see goes. what happens, yeah. Um, but regardless of um, any of that, we also had some news this week that was interesting. Yet another Fire Emblem character in Smash. Oh, That's wow. uh, everyone's favorite, I'm sure. The Switch version of Devil May Cry 3 is officially going to be the best because you have instant style switching. Um, I don't Ooh. think you'll be able to hear Steve's dog barking, but it is indeed barking at a phantom. So Final Fantasy VII Remake ended up getting delayed to April, which was severely panic-inducing at first because... It's big, right up against Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk's the big one, but for me, there's also like three other games... Yeah. Uh, especially because Persona 5 Royal comes out at the end of March. So for me, it's like, okay, here's one, like, 100-hour game up against at least a 40-hour game, 40 to 50 for Final Fantasy VII Remake, and however long Cyberpunk's going to be. Probably another 100-hour so game. it was, though. like, panic mode. And then today, Cyberpunk is delayed into September, which is also where Marvel's Avengers was delayed to, but nobody cares about that. So. Yeah, I mean, I kind of care about that, but I, I, I care. I care in that I will buy it. I don't care in that like it's it is not, not going to be your primary. It's game. not like my game of the year, like and highly anticipated game of the year, especially considering that Destiny will probably be getting what their annual big expansion yep. around that same time, and so yeah. You all know what you're going to be playing, yeah. Yeah. So and Overwatch Two is coming out at some point, so. So like that—that that was just some of the big uh, news stuff that's recently happened, um, and yeah, it's got me a little bit more excited. I've actually been—it's helped bolster my mood because I'm working on a new video and I'm actually working on recordings for two games. It might actually—I might start recording for three. Ooh. Believe me, this might actually work out well. Even though it sounds like I might be overloading myself and it's just going to take longer for everything to come out. This might actually work out well, we'll see. Um, but in the meantime, um, let's talk about The Mandalorian a bit. And 
I mean, I know you, of course. I mean, it's Star Wars, so, therefore you like it. Okay, so, I know, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> so, I was... I didn't watch anything having to do with The Mandalorian leading up to the release of the show. I was actually kind of like... I, I am not a, a Boba Fett fan. I feel like Boba Fett's a really weak, weak character. I'll, go, I'll actually go as far as to say, I think... Captain Phasma is a better character than Boba Fett. I think Captain Phasma had more lines than Boba Fett. And, yes. Well, that's true too, but just, it was sort of like the, and so like the idea of the Mandalorian, I know it's not about Boba Fett, or I knew, but it just didn't like, uh, it's a guy, the bounty hunter in a mask, and it's like, it wasn't really the Star Wars I was looking for, and so I just kind of, I had kind of like tuned it out, I guess. And so then it then it comes out and it's getting good buzz. And I see Baby Yoda. Yeah, everyone saw Baby the Yoda. The child, the child. It's not Baby Yoda. It's the child. This guy just takes place after Return of the Jedi. Yoda is dead. This is not Yoda as a baby. We just don't have anything else to call it. We call Baby Yaddle. No. That is not. Let's not. I just forget about Yaddle even existing. I'm actually not in too different a space from you. I had not watched any trailer for The Mandalorian coming up. Uh, the first bits of anything I had seen was pictures of Baby Yoda. And my first response was rolling my eyes. It's like, oh, of course. Of course we got to trench something up like this. But everyone was talking positive and... I don't know. I finally like heard enough from the right people that I was like, you know, maybe this is actually pretty good after all. So, yeah, I got the um, free, turns out, week of Disney+, Plus. if you don't want to get hit, hit that first billing mm. period. Um, so that whole free first month is a little bit of a lie. Mm. I think they got to lock you at least into a paid month before um, you cancel. So I got my free week in which I was able to watch uh, The Mandalorian, and I finally got to see Big Hero 6 and um, Big Hero 6. And uh, I got to rewatch Cool Runnings for the first time in nice. years. Um, I have to watch that one. It's been a while. Eh, you kind of don't. Yeah. It's, it's like it, when you're a kid, it's this great movie. When you're an adult, you're like, oh, I've seen this movie like 50 times. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably one of those movies that's just better to look at like, Oh, Cool Runnings was a good movie that I have fond memories of as a child. Exactly. And, and leave, leave it, it there. It's not a bad movie either. I want to say that much. It's just when you're an adult and you've seen these kinds of inspirational sports biopics, it's like, okay, I've seen this a whole lot of times. And like in between the last time I saw Cool Runnings, I saw this same movie with yep. a different title and a different Cast, like, gimmick. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, I get that. So, it, 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 yeah, but to get back on Mandalorian, I decided I'd finally check it out. And I was actually thinking about keeping Disney Plus until I realized they don't have any real, actual, good, original programming coming until later this year, like the fall. So they launched Disney Plus, honestly, a year too early. Because they, they didn't have anything to immediately follow up the Mandalorian with. They're completely relying on the on the nostalgia factor, and for a lot of people, it's enough. There are a lot of people that are going to just the old classic animated films, 
all the Marvel films because somehow you can't just, you can watch them on TV at any time. But oh, now it's on Disney Plus. So. Well, well, for those of us who don't have cable, we can't watch it on TV at any time. So yeah, I think there's I think what the Disney Plus strategy is to me is they were firing their first shots against the people who have Netflix not to watch Netflix original shows, but to watch the sort of the rotating selection of movies and kids shows and cartoons and everything else. And now they dump out and they dump out this whole big, you know, we've got every Disney cartoon, every Marvel cartoon, uh, you know, we've got all of like, you know, from the TV shows, plus all of the Disney, all the Pixar, all this other stuff that... I have to look again because I looked at their entire list of TV shows and movies and at first I thought there were some missing gaps. I do not rem remember seeing the Fox Kids uh, X-Men that we watched as kids. Hmm, I'll have to check that out. That, might, that one might not be in there. I know there was a lot of weird, like the Iron Man show from the 90s that ran for one season. Is that, that in had, there or is that missing? That is in there. That is in there, okay. I, I have to double check. There are several Spider-Man shows. Now that I'm yes, wondering, I'm wondering if the Fox Kids one is, is in there. Mm. Um, it is. I saw it. It's funny though. We have all these options, and we've watched. My kids and I have watched Avengers: Earth's Mightiest Heroes, the entire two seasons through, probably three to four times. So we started watching Avengers Assemble, which was the Disney, the post Disney purchase. Mm. Um, Avengers cartoon, which which and which started right after Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes was canceled. We started watching that, and then the kids just wanted to watch Earth's Mightiest Heroes again. So we're on like viewing number five now. We're all the way already halfway through season two. So <laughs> um, anyway, so The Mandalorian. So um, so I was totally not sold on the show until I watched the first episode, and I was like, wow, like. It's just a little bit gritty, but it's still Star Wars. They couldn't let it get too that gritty. That first episode is surprisingly rated like TV PG. Yeah. It becomes TV 14 in the third episode. And I think I understand some of the reasons why. But that first episode, because like, I watched the first well, three episodes with my dad. Because uh, he okay. wanted to watch the show before my uh, subscription ran out. So I watched them a second time. And watching those first three episodes is actually really interesting, firstly. But also, it's like, oh yeah, that guy gets cut in half by the door. Right, it's, well, it's, it's all implied, though. So you yeah, well, you don't see it. You, you yeah. hear it, you know it's happening, but it doesn't like focus on any kind of gross factor. But no, it's like yeah. right from the get-go, it's like, it's TVPG, but this is a pretty violent show. Yeah, it's definitely pushing... I, I described it as, to somebody I was trying to sell it to, it's almost like somebody let the Coen brothers make a Star Wars <laughs> show. But they to were still a little, they're still limited. It's not really, you know, this isn't no country for old men. No, and it doesn't have their same sense of humor. It either. doesn't, right, it doesn't have a, some of that. But there is a little bit, there's this dry humor, the, um, what's his name? We just looked up the names, Quill, Quill? Quill is, yeah, yeah. I have but, spoken. I have spoken. Um, and, you know, there's this, you know, people keep going on. The, uh, this is the way. I like. I have spoken, I have spoken. a lot better. <laughs> um, and well, that was see. That was the first thing that really stuck out on, on the show to me was that um, there's these. 
obviously yeah, uh, animatronic, so it right, is they, that they did a lot wrong. of animatronics. Um, but the way that they introduced this, these two characters in episode one, and you're you have no like they did such a great job with characterizing the characters. I don't know how to say it. Characterization? Yeah, well just that there's they have such there's depth and personality and you get the idea this guy's got a past for a quill and then They got they, quirks. They've they got, got quirks, quirks, right? They've got uh, traits. They, they, they get they're already treated like for a TV show, like this is a series regular or a main cast member level of attention to detail in the character's development. And then it's just like, okay, it's the end of the episode and we've moved on. Well, it's funny because there are two things that came to mind for me. And it's funny because now that I think about it, two different space westerns technically came to mind. Um, in thinking about how this show is structured, the first three episodes and the last two episodes are like canonical storytelling. They are towards one right. concrete arc. The fourth episode kind of is, but episodes four, five, and six feel like regular old television um, adventure of the week. Yeah. And the that structure where it's like beginning and end of the season, like it makes me think of Cowboy Bebop because Cowboy Bebop, the beginning of the show, and the end of the show are like the story, quote unquote, but everything in the middle is just adventures that develop the characters. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that comes to mind is firstly just sci-fi in the 90s watching television sci-fi in the 90s like stargate sg1 um came to mind but also especially with the sixth episode very strong firefly kind of vibes okay yeah i can see that. Um, and i think that might be where some people are making a lot of connections as well but you don't have the same massive ensemble cast yeah and you don't also have the same amount of time because that was at least what 13 14 episodes yeah that was more than eight like this is 12 I don't know. this is eight 35 ish minute episodes so it's actually not a very long series at all no and it really i really feel like disney only did the weekly or so or every other weekly episode release in order to make sure people didn't just take their free month and drop it. And yeah. Because um, there are going to be enough people that are going to buy it and then get hooked, get that subscription. Whereas there are going to be fewer people like me that are going to go in, get that free week, and get out. Um, I will probably come back at the end of the year and become an actual paying subscriber. But until then, it's like, no, nah, man, this is like, I'm fine with this. Um, yeah, they, I, I don't have anything else that I'm dying to watch on Disney Plus. Um, yeah, the Mandal, yeah, the Mandalorian was it. It was a little bit of an inspiration to get it sooner rather than later. Um, and I'm, yeah, and I, and with my sister, she's got like the year free with Verizon. Okay, so that's how she's got it, and that's how again, like, okay, my sister, I grew up with her. I know a number of the things that she was a big fan of. She was a big fan of Sailor Moon. She really liked Final Fantasy IV and Final Fantasy VII. Star Wars was never one of her things. She liked it, but it was never like a big deal for her. 
She is Baby Yoda everywhere on Facebook. Everything is Baby Yoda. She loves Baby Yoda. I showed her the little V-Mills song about Baby Yoda because in conversation, she basically said everything that was in that song. <laughs> like, it was, it was, and it is amazing too. Disney, like, I don't, they were pushing so hard for uh, Rise of Skywalker toys that did not sell and they had nothing for this. Yeah. They were not prepared for the man. Like, they, they had their strategy, but they just didn't. Somehow they didn't see it. Somehow they did not see the opportunities of this. Yeah. It is, it is kind of funny. Like, so this and um, it's interesting that this kind of came out somewhat coinciding with The Witcher. Because um, they've both been highly memeable. Um, yes. And, and coin for your witchers. <laughs> coin for your witcher. For the, uh, yeah. And the uh, yeah, the like. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> well, I saw someone else that was like, I love the witcher, but I'm afraid every time Henry Cavill moves, his suit's gonna rupture, <laughs> just because he's so muscly and everything. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, I love. Ah, <clears throat> uh, that's just me now. Uh, just. Uh, I don't know if our mic's gonna capture that. We'll yeah. See. Um, so, but, but like, yeah, and so Disney sort of missed out. Like, do they do they not understand that like how how sort of viral the show was going to be? The like the see, I I don't know, and it might just be that they've been trying to push the movies, and I have to wonder because for me, if it weren't for the Mandalorian and it weren't for um, Jedi Fallen Order, I would be done with Star Wars 100%. Like, I would just be done. Gone. No Star Wars anymore. Jedi Fallen Order got me with the gameplay. And The Mandalorian, honestly, the biggest thing that got me is despite a lot of its fan service callbacks, doesn't feel like Star Wars. It has not a single lightsaber, and the Force feels like it's something mystical and mysterious again. Right, they, they sort of like, it's like there's rumors of of the force. Well, people don't and even know what he's what the baby Yoda's doing. Right. And the um it speaks what was the, the thing that made it the most anti-Star Wars to me, especially after watching I watched the first couple episodes of Mandalorian, then I watched Rise of Skywalker, then I finished the series. And like the Mandalorian has so much space. Like Let's just, even though they're short episodes, it's like, let's just appreciate the landscape as we're, as we're walking or riding a weird dinosaur cow yes. thing. It has and the it, overhead shot. It has the Lord of the Rings yeah, shot. The, the Lord, yeah. yeah, the Lord of the Rings shots. Where That's you're, some really the good music yeah. plays. Yeah, the, the, the oh, music plays. I love the music. Nothing, it doesn't sound John Williams at all, which yeah. is refreshing. It's like, we're not trying to repeat the same motifs. Right. And this is what, this is really, and you kind of hit it too, this is what Star Wars needs, I think, is there's a lot of really great iconography and thing, the setting, there are, there's potential for so many different things in the setting. Um, like for example, the going back to Tatooine, to Mos Eisley, it, I still don't think you needed to go back there, but it, it was, didn't feel... Nobody cared about. There was no Skywalker. Nothing. Right. No like side. It's like 
oh, well, you just swing by the Lars Homestead or the old yeah. Lars Homestead. Like, no, no stupid yeah. name drop like that. No obvious nudge, nudge, wink, wink. But it's just, oh, yeah, because it's a place where and a bounty hunter might go. remember, too, though, was, and this isn't my, I only watched it through once, but I remember, was the, the it's supposed to be the cantina where the droids weren't allowed. And, and now the it's a droid bartender yeah. now. Yeah. There's little stuff like that where, where for people... Star Wars has become such a big part of of culture in general, not just geek culture, that everybody knows this stuff. Everybody knows the Cantina Band and then the all that. Let's be honest. Wretched Hive of Scum and Villainy. I think this is also something that's a misunderstanding for people. The period where Star Wars was an exclusively geek thing was very, very brief. It was, it was between the, the late 80s and the release of the yeah, prequels. Because when Return of the Jedi finished, the mainstream audience was done with it. Right. But then as soon as the special editions are coming out, the mainstream audience is jumping back on. Yeah. Which means that is a very small period of time where Star Wars is an exclusive. Yeah, thing. definitely. So Star Wars has always been mainstream. The idea that it's this geek icon is kind of overblown. Well, I think what it is is that it's like... I don't know, uh, superhero movies or some superhero or something like that, where um, Superman and Batman could be blockbusters, blockbuster movies when they came out. All of the Batman movies, even Batman and Robin. It took made- John Favreau to make Iron Man mainstream, right. and now John Favreau's coming back with the Mandalorian, and it's yeah. like saving Star Wars. <laughs> But anyway, anyway, yeah. So I think you're right. But but just in culture I, in general, that, that Star Wars is so permeated that we can. Could you have told this story, with, without the trappings of Star Wars? Yes, but but it would be. See, that's the funny thing because it would be. Because obviously, whatever the child is, it would be something that's like inspired by Star. Like it would be right. It's that one. Of the, it's that weird thing where you'd be like, "Well, it's like Star Wars, but it's not Star Wars." And I think you have an inter- interesting mixture there. You have this. Alien- You're going to have okay. people that are like, "I don't like me. I don't want. I, I'm tired of lightsabers." Which is one of the reasons Mandalorian is really refreshing. It's like, I'm tired of lightsabers. I'm tired of the Skywalkers. I'm tired of retreading all this old ground that people think makes Star Wars what it is. As opposed to, it was a really good adventure. It wasn't... And you even had characters that weren't good at everything. Like, and I think that's actually going back... um, Because I'm kind of switching away from your topic. I'm sorry for a minute. It's okay. Um, But like you mentioned, like you were never a big Boba Fett fan. And I think... One of the things I was afraid of with The Mandalorian is we're going to have a character that is just purely awesome at everything that he does. And the first scene kind of suggests that. Very quickly, and it's funny because if he's fighting anything that's not a human, it's kind of like Jedi Fallen Order. If you're fighting anything that's not a human, you kind of stink at it. Yeah, that's true. The Mandalorian, uh, they call him Mando a lot in the show. He is still learning. He's still growing. He's still developing. He's got more skill than your average bounty hunter, than your average warrior and stuff because he's Mandalorian, but he still screws up. He still sees hardship. He still has moments where he, he, he some giant two-legged creature gets to drop on him and chews on his flamethrower arm. Like, right. You have these moments where it's like, okay, this guy's at risk. He's not... 
the most amazing warrior. Unlike other recent Star Wars protagonists, he's right. He's not great. He has a lot to learn, and uh, he doesn't just automatically win every fight that he's involved in. And so it's that was really refreshing. I think that was also the best choice they could have made. Because yeah. anything that gives your character room to grow and gives him flaws. Like, and I think that was part of what I was assuming about the show, too, is that it was going to be about this cold, hard bounty hunter who, you know... Learns to love because he's got a little baby Yoda with him. Or so, I don't know. Well, we didn't know there was going to be a baby Yoda. We didn't know at first, no. But then... Um, but then I mean, even then, that was kind of my prediction. Like, he's only carrying the child because it's his job. But then that's sort of... It's like, that's half true. That's half true. Um, it's, yeah. but it, it takes a lot of good, wise moves, I think, because it allows you to more easily, even though the Mandalorian's got that helmet on the whole time, you're still able to, to relate with him. You're able to get elements of his, of his humanity. He doesn't seem like a cold, heartless monster of a hunter. He's yeah. a and, person. And that was, a, that was a great job with the direction of the show is how... The they were able to through pauses, through posture and other things, you're able to get a lot of um, of feeling out of a character that you can't see his face, and yeah. his voice is somewhat modulated too. Yes, and, and they're they're able to to use you know art the art of filmmaking to actually make him relatable and to make him emote where it seems like there's no way to make this character emote. And yeah. they and it's and part of it is because yeah. they take the time, they create the narrative space, they that they're able to to do this even and again, it, it amazes me that they're able to tell the story, to build these characters, some of whom only last an episode, some of whom may or may not come back later. And they're able to to build this in, you know, eight 40-minute shots, basically. Yeah. 35-minute when you consider that the how long the credits are. Yeah, the credits are pretty long. Because they show the concept art and everything, which yeah. I love. Like, I, yes. I eat that stuff up. They're playing the music, and they're showing the concept art for the episode at the end. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. And it's uh, like, oh, that's who they imagined before they got Gina Carano. Yeah. Um, but there was one last thing I wanted to mention before we try and cut into spoilers. Uh, and it was something that I mentioned to you Really quick, as I watched the first episode, I mentioned it in the Discord, and that was in just a few lines. Like after the big opening scene and everything, they he goes down, he sits with Carl Weathers, and just a few lines in that exchange does more to establish post Return of the Jedi, like setting information, the than economic. the complete nonsense of uh, the Force Awakens. Because Force Awakens is, oh, there's a new version of the Empire, and there's a new version of the Resistance, and we're going to blow up the Republic to make sure this status quo works. What was the Republic even? And they do a great job of that throughout the show to sort of, like, tell you the dysfunction, the New Republic's kind of dysfunctional. People don't even necessarily take them seriously. Right, and we've got, like, conflicting types of currency. You have, like, Imperial credits aren't worth anything anymore. 5,000 credits isn't even enough for fuel. So you, you have the, the sense of like, okay, the economy's not that good anymore. You have Imperial credits are like starting to be no good, which, and then like when someone says, 
um, call like call the Republic, hand him over to the Republic, or so have the Republic yeah. arrest him. And he's like, "Oh, that's a joke." Like right. he treats the the New Republic is basically a joke. Like it feels like Star Wars, but it also feels like, "Oh wow, they're actually establishing the current political and economic climate." That is exactly what I wanted to happen in Episode 7. And Episode 7 was like, I'm a fanboy. I want only the same thing I've seen every time, all the well, time. And it's also, I, I, it's, there's a type, I mean, I'm, I'm a somewhat a defender of the Star Wars movies in general. And there's, there's a little bit of tightrope because what did people hate about the prequels? More the Trade the Federation is, you know, negotiating with, uh, you know, and it's like all that stuff. And so, so you're like, okay, we're making sequels. Like, what do we not want to do? Okay. See, <laughs> you well, know, people, people might not say it, but what people actually disliked about the prequels is poor execution. And that's that. I will, I will give you that point. There were some some poor elements of poor execution. No, granted, before the new movies. I would have thought a heck of a lot more. But because of the new movies, even though I still think they're bad movies, there is at least that appreciation for the prequels that George Lucas didn't want to make the same thing a second time. And you know, I just, this just occurred to me like in the shower today. Uh, so, you know, J.J. Abrams, you, you know, could have just, if you were in my head in the shower, you would have made a better trilogy. Uh, well, he had to make two and then like, anyway, yeah. But, like, and this is totally unrelated to The Mandalorian at this point. But what they should have done is stolen the general idea from the books that what Palpatine was really trying to do was consolidate power and build a force which was capable of repelling enemies from beyond the galaxy, which were going to, which he had foreseen invading. This was a thing in the books that that, that was Pal Pal Palpatine. The ones with Grand Admiral Thrawn? No, it wasn't. It wasn't with Thrawn. It was I forget exactly. But so that ends up being a major theme in the EU. So books. it's Mass Effect. It's something not really Mass Effect, but That's so that, exactly what Mass Effect is though. Well, it was before Mass Effect because these books were written in like the eighties and nineties. Which I guess knows now we know where Mass Effect got. But so anyway, so that was the whole. <laughs> so then the this part of the series of books ends up being I haven't read them. I've just read the synopses ends up being, you know, the fledgling New Republic now without the might of the Empire, without Death Stars and all the Star Destroyers that they destroyed and everything else, battling this force from outside. So anyway, if they had based the trilogy on, used that as the connective tissue instead of resurrecting Palpatine for the third episode and making like a new weird mystery Jedi who's actually a Palpatine and all that other stuff like I mean everything about it sounds spoilers um, everything about it sounds terrible so anyway so that would have been a lot track. better so let's talk about let's talk about Mandalorian spoilers now instead of okay. of Skywalker spoilers even though I, I just have... ruined the movie for you no the movie ruined Ray and Kylo kiss the movie <laughs> <laughs> I love how that ruins the movie for <laughs> that ruined the movie for everyone watching it oh my goodness all right, so um, how do you know where to, where to begin with spoilers on this? Like, because okay, so it, it, it I, I, isn't it isn't a very spoiler heavy show. Well, it's, it's kind of it's forward. kind of it's kind of both because I feel like in some ways. So, like for example, the first episode you establish Quill and IG Eleven as characters 
And the the initial impression is that they're never going to come back. They just they were one-offs. Taika Waititi voiced yeah, an amazing, especially an amazing murder murder droid. Self-destruct sequence initiated. Oh man. <laughs> um, and then he got his head blown off by Mando, and that was the end of yeah. it. And again, speaking of what you mean by little gestures, like. The end of that first episode is what really told me this is not the character I was expecting. When he like reaches his hand forward and Baby Yoda reaches back up, that was a great shot and that did a lot to tell you. It's like this guy really isn't as cold-hearted as I thought, but I don't, yeah. I, you know, I don't necessarily follow his train of thought. Um, oh, and actually, that was something I was curious about because he was told to bring it back alive, but then was acceptable. IG-11 seemed dead set on bringing it back dead. Bringing the child back dead. Yeah, that and was... then the other guys that attacked in the beginning of the second episode looked like they were going to kill it. And there was no implication, though, that they got different orders. Everyone had a fob. He was the only one willing to not kill it? Because it was like, you got half price if it was dead. Full well. price if it was alive. I'm wondering if there was some kind of, I mean, I, yeah, I have to headcanon it a little bit, that the the client um, didn't meet with every single one of these bounty hunters individually. That some of these bounty hunters were more or less contracted out. That he had met with a number of people and that some of these people were just maybe had Right, subcontracted or something else to just say, just bring it back. Yeah, and will that? Because I would assume. In, yeah, I, I'm good at headcanoning. I would assume in universe he doesn't. He's not spending all day meeting with hundreds yeah. of bounty hunters. Just specific ones. Yeah. Um, which, of course, we gotta also just wonder, in general, if maybe this is something they'll bring up in the future. Because when you get right down to it, they didn't answer nothing about why they even wanted Baby Yoda, aside from their. The obvious drawing its force out of it because the, the like the scientist guy the scientist guy never comes back I was expecting him to become a permanent character right he's not there in the last two episodes so is he gonna come back in the future like what the 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 the, the, the bad empire wants him you'd think because oh it's a force power it might become a Jedi or can we make it a sit like what do they want to do with it and they don't necessarily answer because it's not mandatory for it to be alive, but they seem to want to be trying to draw its force energy out of it. Midi-chlorians. I mean, they I mean, do, I'm they do so. implement prequel stuff in this, in this A show. little bit. So, so, I would venture that the idea is, so, it's not well known... The, the nature of the force powers of Darth Vader and the Emperor are not well known. That it is known that Vader was a... And they were practitioners of, of some, some weird religion. And so, in order to... And then it becomes clear at the end that the guy who's really orchestrating is not the client, but, um, uh, you know... Well, El, yeah, the, the guy from Breaking Bad... <laughs> um, El Pollo Loco, whatever the the, the, the chicken guy. I forget um, his name too. Uh, but anyway, that he was, and he has 
Now this is probably a little bit of a lore bit look, that you might not have caught. This did is you look it up? I, oh boy, is he an actual character? No, no, did, 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 at the end, he escapes from his his wrecked TIE fighter yeah, with the Darksaber. So the Darksaber was a weapon, and it's referenced that in the show that the Mandalorians fought a war against the Jedi. Well, that's what that is? Yeah, so that was a Darksaber was a weapon developed on Mandalore to counter lightsabers, basically. Okay, so this is going in. Okay, so, so he has, one. so he clearly has some connection with, he was able, he knew the Mandalorian's real name. So he has some connection with the destruction of Bandalore and recovered this artifact from Mandalore that was used in a war against the Jedi, between the Mandalorians and the Jedi, ages ago. Basically, you know what? I, I, so the, that, that shows up on the Clone Wars show, is the yeah, Dark yeah, Saber. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if this show is going to have a longer season two, and this is just to get pe give people a taste. To prove, like a proof of concept. Like, we're going to have this right. season, it's going to be a very simple concept season. And it's going to have enough that people are invested. But, like, these questions, because again, like, I don't, and, and even now, it's like, wait, who, who had Yoda to begin with? Because they mentioned, it's like, we're going to give you three things. A fob with its number, a code that we only know the last four digits, and I don't remember the exact, and it's a like glass known coordinates. But the digits, the code or whatever was, like, 50 years old. So this is like a 50-year-old baby Yoda or something like right. that. Right. And, so, and who 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 like who were these guys that were holding on to it anyway? So that's part of like okay, what what are like, these are questions, but they're like Wait, how do these what are these I guess everyone was just so like, "Oh my goodness, it's a baby Gizmo that looks like a Yoda." And yeah. that, that that they just stopped thinking about it. They stopped asking these questions or something cuz like, it's, it's one of those things where it's like after, and especially watching those first three episodes again, I'm asking myself, I'm like, they didn't answer one, two, three, four, like, they didn't answer this stuff. This stuff never comes up in this entire season. They just don't care. And I think most viewers won't care. But I'd like to have it I, I mean, and again, I'm wondering what questions get, do get answered in season two. So if, he's, if he is indeed 50 years old, that would place him... Based on the timeline, somewhere he was born somewhere in the prequel trilogy. Baby. Earlier, yeah, because so he is a baby Yoda. Yoda was getting freaky with someone. Yaddle. <laughs> oh, that's right. There's actually a female Jedi. One of them. They're supposed to be celibate. Uh oh, uh -oh. Yoda. What are you doing? <laughs> um. So so yeah. But anyway, so he's born sometime in, in that time frame. So what was this? Will will we get answers? Was it is it not related to Yoda at all? And they're going to find the home planet of whatever these things are. Whatever their name is. There's a, there's a Wikipedia page about it. I, I'm sure there is, but I'm pretty sure we actually don't know the, the name of the race. That that's supposed to, even in the extended literature. No one. We're talking about people that name everything. My sister asked me what to name a Roomba. I looked up the stupid droid that Chewbacca yells at. And that's got a name. Oh yeah, they're like the mouse. Like they name everything in Star Wars. Someone has named Yoda's race. Well, that's the thing, is there were actually, it, with even within the extended universe books, Lucas had 
set certain topics to be off limits. There are certain time periods and certain topics that were always off limits to the EU writers. And, and Yoda's, Yoda's, or, race Yoda's origin being one of them, I believe. Oh, goodness. Well, now that he sold the rights, it's up it's free. Right, right. So now they rain. can do something with it. But but so that was... So I think that's that's even if you pull in all the extended fiction around it, that's somewhat of a mystery. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'd be curious to see what answers we get in season two and what things just get left as plot devices. Okay, he's clearly a valuable thing. Some guys got a hold of them. Maybe they're holding out to see how much money they can get. Maybe they've got, maybe there was another client somewhere that also wanted him. We, I don't know. I'm guessing it's just gonna end up being a plot device. That this was necessary for the story, for... The cutest, most uh, profitable plot device that Disney somehow slept on. Like, they yeah. did not realize they had. Um, and you know, I noticed one of my... One of my actually, I mentioned Earth's Mightiest Heroes before. So the, the lead, like, producer on that, Christopher Yost, also he, worked... on this, yeah. He's also on this, along with Dave Filoni who was the lead on Star Wars, Clone Wars, and Star Wars Rebels. That also makes sense. So... He's going to have a lot of... He, he could be like a consultant to keep everything consistent because he's knee-deep in the television work. Yeah. And that could be one of the ways that... Because there's definitely stuff that... They're definitely drawing from all the current official Star Wars sources. Like, one of the yeah. things that I really like... The, Okay, normally I would roll my eyes at jokes about stormtroopers not being able to aim. But twice they did it really well here. The first time when they're like, oh yeah, he, he was an Imperial uh, sniper or something like that. Mandalorian's yeah. like, ah, oh, that doesn't mean much. I wasn't a stormtrooper. Like, he was really <laughs> angry about it. And it's like, oh, that's funny. And then, of course, you have the last episode, like the two most hated stormtroopers because they kept punching Baby Yoda. Uh, and it was. But um, all I thought was like they're sitting there, like trying to shoot a can. The one just keeps missing. The other one pulls out, like, yeah, let me show you how it's done. And he misses too. It's like and it was so good. It was. It was. It was again. It was the little moments in the show where they just let the, they gave it a minute to breathe. Two stormtroopers shooting at a can. Yep. In the desert. But a little bit too, it's like, uh, you might not want to come in right now. Really? Why? Is it, well, he just killed a guy for telling him blah, blah, blah. <laughs> well, I guess we'll wait. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh -huh. it's, it was a really good sense of humor there. Um, and again, like that, going back to that sixth episode, uh, the prison ship one, um, which again, like just that alone, again, like I'm talking about feels like old television sci-fi. That's two sets. That oh no three because they have the they have um, the space station that he arrives at to where he gets the job. Mando's ship. Mando's ship and the prison ship, which is one of those that's like clearly very uh, modular, so you can just use the same hallway three times from three different. Areas. Yeah, uh, I, that was that that episode really had that feel of like classic. Firefly kind of thing. Yeah. Classic, again, classic television sci-fi where it's like yeah. not a big budget and yet everything that they did with it worked really well. Um, the only thing that I did not like was the like space Harley Quinn Twi'lek girl played by Tonks from Harry Potter. She, I, she, she did, it, she, uh, I didn't really like her. 
Yeah, but, I, I, I would consider it like a little bit of a miss, but... It worked otherwise, and they're clearly, again, like that's also classic television because none of them are actually dead by the end of the episode, so they're clearly characters that could come back. Yeah. Like, it's one of those things. So it's, I forget what the fifth episode is, though. Um, let me think. So the fourth... Fourth is where they, is the 80s. Seven Samurai one, where they yeah, gotta they, they defend, defend the, the village. The village. Um, um, great use of an AT, AT, ATST. Yeah, the ATST, yeah. The sixth is the prison break. And the fifth... He leaves the planet. He leaves the planet and, and, and after the fourth episode. And then... What is it? What happens in the fifth episode? The... He doesn't start assembling the team yet. And that's episode seven. Seven, yeah. Seven and eight, he assembles the team and then goes back. Well, I can't remember episode five. I know. I don't know. Now I'm gonna have to pull up my phone and look it up. Yeah, this because I was trying to think about this this whole time because it begins with him on Peace Planet. I know that, and he has to leave because there are bounty hunters that show up. That's the end of episode four, though. I thought that's the beginning of no, episode. No, episode four ends with ends the with sniper that. showing up. And then him realizing that he has to leave, and, and Cara Dune takes out the the sniper. The sniper. Okay. Uh, so the uh, what the heck oh, it's the it's the the one on Tatooine. Oh yes, where, yes, the, yes. With the, the the bounty hunter. Oh with yes, with uh, with uh, Ming, Ming Na, Na Wen. Wen. Uh, like that's a, a character who I wanted to come back, but she's dead. She's dead. Yeah, it's like the 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 rookie bounty hunter guy. That he's probably going to come in the, back in the future season. Yeah. Um, because he's clearly going to be going after them. Uh, wait, no, did he die? Yeah, I think he dies. Okay, never mind, he dies. But, like, Ming-Na Wen is... First, I just like her as an actress, and also it's just great to me because she's got, like... She she voiced... Well, firstly, she was Chun-Li in the Street Fighter live-action movie. She voiced, um... Mulan. Mulan, but she also voiced, um... Aki in uh, the Final Fantasy Spirits Within. Okay, yeah. Uh, and of course, she's on Agents of Shield. She's yeah, done yeah. other stuff, but it's like those are the four big ones that I remember. Um, I think she's done video game voice acting as well. Like, yeah. She's done a whole bunch of. Awesome she has a fairly long IMDb of, of things you didn't. She know was she in was Star. In. She was in Stargate Universe, but she did not play an action character. Interesting. Uh, she played like a politician, I believe. It, it was like it was one of those cool moments where you know you're like, is that me not when? Like, that's Ming-Na Ming-Na Wen. Wen. <laughs> That's exactly how it went in the Discord too. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm sitting there watching, like, is that Ming-Na Wen? It's like that is Ming-Na Wen. Um, which again, it's the the amount of time and investment the show took into a one-off character with 15 minutes of screen time, if that, 10 minutes of screen time probably, who dies in the episode. And that's another one too, because you mentioned the uh, droids in the bar, but I also liked. The um the prequel droids that were helping uh, uh Wado or something like they're in there helping that engineer. One. Oh yeah, I, so I liked her. Like, she was good too. She's like had that like eighties hair and like. Yeah, yeah. But I think I think the downside is that episode really doesn't feel as strong as the episode surrounding it. Because um and part yeah, part of it's because like why does a Seven Samurai episode stand out so much? Well, one of the reasons because. The moment the ATST shows up, like, like one of the, because I wrote like, like I wrote that article for Unwinnable.com way back, right? 
where I compared Rogue One and Halo ODST and the manner in which it's like, okay, let's play underpowered characters where these things that were made short work of in the movie are now like a real threat. Right. Rogue One had that a bit, but this had it far better because I think they even made reference to like how the, the logs and stuff class one endor yeah. or something. They they explained yeah. it away, but it's like, okay, we gotta do this complicated thing to try and defeat this ATST and it's like it feels like a real threatening machine. I like elements like that. And and they also at this point the show has done enough to establish that nobody's safe. Really. Yes. Like that you're not you're not sure that they've done a good job with attention where you're really not sure what this what's gonna get who's gonna die. We just got Cara we just got introduced to Cara Dune, played by Gina Carano, which is funny because I had been wondering it's like, man, did her career just kinda die? Did it go after Deadpool and uh, what was what else and Fast and the Furious and stuff? Like, did she just did she just vanish from Hollywood and now it's like oh no she's in this she's and yeah she's actually doing not bad of a job she fits for the character yeah that, I thought she was a, a good casting on the um and that she's a drop trooper she's a rebel yeah drop trooper. rebel drop trooper like again like world building it's like let's get aspects of the rebel alliance that we didn't normally get to see. That they, she had to cover up her tattoo at the, the end. Yeah, the tattoo. Like, all, all these little elements that it's like, oh, she has a really small, like, teardrop rebel alliance tattoo on her face, too. Nice touch. I didn't touch. notice that, yeah. It's, it's really small. It's like right there, but it's like the rebel alliance uh, symbol on her, like, cheek near her eye or whatever. So little elements like that. I didn't even get to talk about how, how I love the implementation of job was in this. Oh, yeah. See, that was, a, that was another thing that the, is... I really liked about the show is how you see the Mandalorian deal with some of the same problems that we ran into in the main movies, but how he does goes about it differently. Yes, and in some ways he even develop because we got an actual culture to the Jawas in a sense. Right. Um, firstly, the egg, the egg. I, I love I love how people don't necessarily care enough about Jawas that you're gonna laugh when you see his gun just blow them up into smithereens and then um like oh what oh, what are these I can't remember what they asked for but he just yeah. flamethrowers at them no, oh, no, no before, the, that. before that he just flamethrowers them and my dad was cracking up at that he yeah. thought that was the best but yeah the egg the egg and so uh, maybe this just shows where I am but I was actually wondering if they were going to do if they were trying to do something uh deeper and clever with the idea that he's protecting this child as best as he can, and yet he goes and he kills the mom, clearly defending its egg, lets them use it for food, kind of a thing. Like I thought they were going to yeah. be making a statement, but no, no, not really. No, not really. They just start eating the egg material inside of it. Yeah, and, well, then, and then and then the sand people that Tuscan you know, Raiders, yeah, the yeah, Tuscan yeah. Raiders that he he manages to successfully negotiate with Tuscan Raiders. Which is not really something we've seen. The best we've seen is Ben Kenobi knows how to scare them off. Yes. Um, by wearing a robe. By wearing a robe. <laughs> but no, he gets... To, it's funny, he can negotiate with Tusken Raiders, but he cannot Actually, negotiate with Jawas. Okay, think about it, think about it. Jedi robes. What What did a Jedi do to the Tusken Raiders on Tatooine? Okay, if they were better movies, I would really be down with that. Anyway, I'll accept it. I'll accept it. You accept, accept that. You accept that. Anyway, I'll so, so he's anyway. So 
he th that was another element where they they take some common Star Wars problems and they let you get a different angle on it. This guy's not yeah. a Jedi. This guy's not doesn't have any governing body behind him or anything else. He's just a dude, and he's doesn't want to get. He's one dude. He does not want to get into a shooting fight against Tuscan Raiders. Tuscan Raiders. So he figures out how to negotiate. But he's willing to do it with John. Maybe that's yeah. or, or maybe that's part of his growth. Maybe that's part of his growth that because of learning to negotiate with Jawas, he's like, you know what? I can do it with them. I can do yeah. it with Tusken. Well, it's also it's a little different with the Jawas because you sort of know like they the were old, already taking the old apart. west thing where like you know you you steal somebody's horse, you can get hung for it. Where they were more or less stealing his horse. Yeah, and yeah. he was not happy about the situation. Um, and they are Jawas, and I, I love the idea too that Jawas are not exclusive to Tatooine. That they're just yeah. kind of this uh, race of scavengers across the galaxy. That maybe so, they've managed to cobble together some spaceships and go scavenge someplace else. Yeah, somehow they're just everywhere, um, stealing people's ship parts. Um, but no, um, I, I don't know. Like I think at this point, a lot of what we've got is praise. Didn't even really talk about the last episodes either, but. Uh, it, it's all. It's mostly going to be crazy. You got something else you want to mention? No, no. I think it's good. I think the last couple episodes were. I wasn't. They were good, no doubt. Um, I feel like I wasn't as enthusiastic about it. Like I kind of wanted like a few more episodes of just like let Mando yeah. be Mando. Where once that once the action had to happen, action, action, action. I felt like it lost a little bit. Um, where it's, it gets, you go, okay, you get the team together, you get to the planet, okay, now Carl Weathers wants to make a deal with you, but his guys were gonna backstab, and you know, then the dragons show, well, the dragons show up, and then you get backstabbed, and then, you know, you get there, and then the guy, the, the client gets shot, and the baby Yoda gets stolen, and Queel gets killed, and IGF goes full murder, murder droid again, and it's just like, it felt like a lot happened for a show yeah. where they had spent most of the season taking their time and letting things slowly develop. Well, that they at least did it in two episodes, I think, is still nice. Um, but I think, again, like this is probably Disney didn't... I think Disney was not... I don't know. Disney spent stepping into new waters here, really. And they might... I don't know. I feel like they might not have had as much faith in this show, even though they were relying on it as their best original content for a year before then you have Captain Falcon and Winter Soldier. Or... Is it Captain Falcon? No, it's just Falcon. Captain America, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, yeah. Yeah. Because that's the thing. Like, I was like, okay, what is that going to what premiere in like February or something? No, that's sometime this fall. Well, when's WandaVision? That's 2021, I believe. Oh, really? Okay, I thought that was. Super like, good. just about everything is 2021. Like, yeah, this so stuff really... is so far ahead. They did not plan this to have like one original series after the next. Um, which at this point. Netflix has enough original content coming that you're always going to have something to be looking for. Right. I think the, the the problem Netflix is going to run into is how much of the content do people care about? 
And they have recently said that they don't necessarily see the point in a show running more than like two or three seasons, which personally, I am all for that. I like the idea of a story actually ending. Right, of running 10 to 12 episodes for two or three seasons, that sounds that sounds good to me too. Yeah. The problem... Like, I'm the kind of person that's like, Stranger Things at one season would have been completely fine. Even now, after watching seasons two, with actually in some ways, especially now, after two, seasons two and three. I liked season three. Season two had its issues, but like, still, the strongest season is season one. Because season one knew exactly what it was, and if that was the end point, that would have been fine. If it was an anthology series, so each season was different, that also would have been fine. But like, I, but I feel like, again, like I'm different. I'm clearly different because I look at my Facebook, I look at the people talking about Star Wars, I look at people, like, and for me, it's like, are you kidding? Like, how can you be just delighted that there's a lightsaber? How can you, like, again, like, it, it does feel like I am an anomaly when it comes to my watching of certain media, and... For a little bit of a curmudgeon sometimes, but I'm just so and sick of lightsabers. Contrarian, yeah. I'm just so sick of lightsabers though because they're everywhere and it's like they aren't what made Star Wars good. In fact, if you look at the choreography of the first two movies, especially the lightsaber fights weren't very good on a technical level. On an emotional level, is where it worked. But now all of a sudden it's got to be backflips and this and that and no we got to we got to like reinvent the look of the lightsaber every time and it's like dude just, just step back from when you were eight years old and you didn't understand critical thinking like but that's again like yeah uh, yeah I I kind of get it um, I I think also when it's you know. To a larger degree, we have immersed ourselves in a lot of different fiction and sci-fi and fantasy and other things where, you know, for most people, like the average based on TV ratings and other things and what movies are popular, a lot of people haven't. Maybe you saw Firefly. Right. You probably haven't seen Farscape. You probably haven't seen Stargate SG-1. You probably haven't seen Star Trek when it was actually intelligent. Right. Like, <laughs> and, and so and so a biannual Star Wars movie is a is a big deal. It's a big event. I'm still a little bit of a fanboy, as, as you may have noticed by the fact that I went to a midnight showing of Rise of Skywalker. And now you're on sad. On opening night. Now you're sad. And Your now, life is a little bit worse. My life is a little bit worse. Because I read some of the Colin Trevorrow script, and it actually was they they leaked. The remember the Colin Trevorrow or whatever. Who's Colin Trevorrow? Firstly, he was the director of Jurassic World, who was originally slated to direct Episode Nine. When did that fall through? Um, after the release of the Last Jedi, I think it was, or in the oven. Leading up to the release of The Last Jedi, it was announced that they had fired Colin Trevorrow and, re- and that J.J. Abrams would would write and direct the final movie. Was the script too good? At, it, the, the story... Firstly, did it actually have anything to do with The Last Jedi? No, it was... It was its, I mean, it, it was its own movie. It really... The basic plot maybe sounded a little bit better... They hit some of the same notes, but not really. 
as what ended up being Rise of Skywalker. And then there's apparently there's a three hour J.J. Abrams cut that fills in a lot more backstory oh. and has a better ending. Oh yeah, that's a great way to spend your afternoon. <laughs> so for, for example, one of the things that happens in the J.J. Abrams Release the Snyder cut! The Snyder cut, you know, we got another Snyder <laughs> cut. We got the J.J. cut. Um, so, for example, one of the things that actually happens is... The Abrams box is going to be the Abrams Rather box. Than, than, like, Rey getting two lightsabers and beating back Emperor Palpatine, like, the there's some kind of battle between the spirits of the Sith and the spirits of the Jedi, where they bring back all of the... They, bring, they were supposed to bring back... Uh, Ewan McGregor and Mark Hamill and well Mark Hamill gets a thing and Yoda and everybody else to come be force ghosts and fight in some huge climactic Do you battle. know what I really liked about the Mandalorian? He got a jetpack and he just latched onto that stupid TIE fighter and he managed to blow it up with a bomb. It was I simple, liked that too. Effective, it was fun. Oh, and another another thing. I was actually wondering if they were calling back to Indiana Jones of the Last Crusade when he was on the uh, the Jawa tank, the sand crawler, oh, yeah, and they had the, uh, the rocket scrape. Because I was watching that and I'm like, this is a lot, a lot like, like uh, the, yeah. the Last Crusade, but it right. manages to be, it takes inspiration, and it's an exciting set piece, and you didn't need $80 million to do any of this stuff. Like, you just, to bring simple, back. real people instead of like making a real computer person. You'd have to bring back Hayden Christensen. Oh gosh! Or, or any of that. Um, you should rewatch the prequels. Uh, I, I say that like once a month. You should. Anyway, so the Mandalorian. Am I going to come over one Saturday and we're just going to marathon it with your kids? Let's do it. Uh, the Mandalorian is if you like Star Wars, you should definitely watch it because it's really honestly better than. Any Star Wars that we've seen since Rogue One? Oh, easily. Easily, yeah. Uh, easily better than any Star Wars we've seen since Easily that. better than any of the movies. It is easily better than any of the movies. And if you don't like Star Wars, but you like science fiction, you like Western motifs, and that sort of thing. In fact, you could probably watch this and not have seen Star Wars and still enjoy it. Uh, absolutely, and, and it's a space western. It's a space western, um, and it's got a baby with Yoda. some really great, some really great character work. Um, okay, see, I'm actually going to step back there. I really like the show. It does not have great character work, but it's got good character work. It doesn't have enough episodes to have great character work, but again, like I'm comparing it because again, like if you, especially when you invoke Firefly. As okay. overrated as Jay, as, as Joss Whedon actually has become, he knew how to do an ensemble cast. He oh yeah, okay, okay, cast. but it's, it's not it's not an ensemble cast though. It's a more I of just, an okay. No, no, no. Here, I'm going to describe it in a different way. Now I'm going to reference D and D because Firefly always felt like if you want to play D and D, this is a show you watch. Firefly is where all the players have like 20 page character backstories. The Mandalorian, every character's backstory is written in the little box on the character sheet. No, but see, that's not that's not fair because, it, no, because no, 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 it doesn't mean they're bad characters. The characters don't really have a lot of depth in their history. They're not overthought, is what I'm going to say. I mean, they're not overthought, but but, but the characters all have quirks. 
The characters all stand apart from one another. The characters are good. Well, I guess what it is, is so what I what the Mandalorian does is you only got some of these characters, you only ever spend 10, 15 minutes with this character. This at is most. True. And it makes them memorable and unique in that time. I forget her name, but the Karen? the mechanic oh, no, the mechanic oh, yeah, yeah, on Tatooine with the big hair and the little droids that Mandalorian won't let the little droids help her like that takes care of Stacy's immediately picks up baby Yoda and is carrying him around and stuff. Like, that's a memorable character. I have no idea what her history was or outside of this or anything. But you took somebody and you made them interesting and you only had a, without making them a character or being somehow ridiculous, you only had a couple minutes to do that. And they, and you did Quirks, it. mannerisms, it's, it's just good character. Pers- it's personality. They, they had personality, yes. They managed to inject, that's why I'm saying it's great because it didn't have, you didn't spend, it's not, you know, um, uh, why can't I think of anybody's name from Firefly right now? Um, the Malcolm Reynolds? Uh, Wash? I was thinking, yeah, yeah it's Jane. not Wash or Jane. Or, yeah, I could remember Jane, but I couldn't think of Wash. Like, it's not where you've spent, it was a short run living show, but you've spent hours developing this character. And that's why you're attached to him, and that's why you're really mad. Also hints. When somebody says, I'm a leaf on the wind, and you want to stab them. Uh, so the Or you want to cry with them. Or you want to you know, cry with them. You know what pain they're referencing. And, and, but they managed to, it's not at the same level, but they managed to do a lot with a little. And that's... Okay, I will agree with that. And and I think that's probably the... To me, that's the greatest strength of the show. It does a lot with a little. There's not a lot of characters. It is funny. We'll, we'll probably get to it later, and I might actually give the show a second watch. But um, I do actually think I liked The Witcher better. But... The Mandalorian's the easier watch. Oh, yeah, definitely. The Mandalorian's the one that you can easily sit down, and you can you can get anyone to join with you. And you could, you know, so, binge it in a, on a Saturday afternoon or something like that. With every episode being only about 35 minutes, yeah. It's like watching two movies, basically. More than that, but... Eight episodes at... It's like binging an anime. <laughs> yeah. But, um, anyways, we, we do need to be wrapping this up. I mean, you got our verdict. We both liked it. Um, Steve, probably a little bit more than me. Maybe. But it's like... It's not like... It's not like we're talking about control or something where it was like a real mixed bag. It's like, no, this is this is largely uh, solid B plus for me, solid B plus show, B plus effort. Um, and I'm again, like, I'm curious to see where the second season will be. So once uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier and season two of Mandalorian are out, I will sell my soul to the devil that is Disney. And give them money that they wholly do not really deserve under most circumstances, but whatever. Here we are. Here we are. Yeah, we also got a little bit of commentary on Disney Plus and Netflix and other stuff today, so. Yeah. I, I still like Netflix better, but that's because they aren't as blatantly evil. Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, at the same time, it's all, it's all giant corporations. We're in the stupidest cyberpunk dystopia that's ever been conceived. It, our loyalty belongs to nothing but corporations. Pretty much. So on that note... On that, no- on that, that happy note... Have a good night, everybody. Have a good night. Enjoy your dystopia. Bye.
Ha, ha, ha.